so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as fellow um, brothers and sisters in Christ and to be able to worship you through song, to be able to look at your word. And I just pray, we've been praying, that people would be edified, encouraged, and just built up as they leave today, that they would know who you are, Jesus, and that um, you know, we wouldn't be a distraction um, to who you are, that we would just uh, do our best to stay out of the way and let you work and let you move. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you into this place today. I ask that you would do the work that none of us can do, and uh, you would convict hearts and minds. You would comfort those that are hurting. And Lord, most, most importantly, I pray that you would save people today. And Jesus, we just thank you for um, dying in our place. Thank you for coming in the form of a baby. And uh, man, just thanks for bringing salvation. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's nice to have you here today. Um, I don't know if I can even just look at you with a straight face now. That was... Uh... So now you know why my big lips, they have some purpose, right? There's some purpose behind that. So... Um, man, it's just great to have you here, and uh, we are just greatly encouraged by um, what God is doing in and through this place. And uh, before I jump into the message, I just wanted you guys to watch a video this morning um, of, a, of a young man in our church that God has been working in his life, God has been moving, and he's been going through a season of waiting. This, this month, you know, we've been focusing on the idea of anticipation or the idea of waiting. And so if you would, just watch this video and then uh, I will continue on with the message this morning. So my name is Relan Wood. Uh, I've been coming to Grace Church for about three years. Um, and the church family has become a part of our family. Uh, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I've been in a season of waiting for uh, what God is calling me to do with my life on a vocational basis. Um, what He wants me to do day in and day out. Does He want me to go into ministry full time um, or to just serve as I can? Yeah, right now in youth ministry, God is uh, just really encouraging me and uh, building me up. He's shown me that He's faithful uh, to me serving and seeking Him. Uh, to stay encouraged while waiting through this time, I uh, really just tried to focus on the Lord and not focus on my situation. Um, there's just so much to get lost in um, with Him and just so much more to learn about Him. Um, and ch just getting to know Him kind of just takes the focus off of uh, what was going on in my life, really. Uh, what I would say to people who are waiting on the Lord to encourage them is just to not focus on uh, their situation and what they're hoping for, what they're waiting for, what they're uneasy about, and just focus on the Lord. Um, be diligent in seeking Him out, um, and He'll provide, He'll, he'll give you comfort, um, He'll give you peace, even though you don't know what's going on or what the next step might be. Um, he's got more than enough to keep you busy while you're waiting. Through the season of waiting, God has uh, shown me and continues to show me uh, not to focus on myself. Uh, just focus on Him and it'll be all right. Man, this... Uh... 
That video is an encouragement to me because, man, we've been praying. You know my heart. We've been praying that God would reach men, and especially young men. Some of the hardest people to get to come to church to show up and sit right where you're sitting is young men. And so when I watch a video like that and I see a young man that is fired up for God, and let me just tell you, God is doing a work in Reland's life. I I just want to ask you to pray for him, uh, man, just to encourage him. And, uh, man, he's just sensing the call of God's, uh, or he's sensing God's call on his life. But, man, it just fires me up because this is what we've been praying for, is that God would reach young men, that God would stir their hearts, call them to action, and that they would step up to uh, serve the kingdom of God here on earth. And so, man, it just thrills my heart when I watch that. So this month we've been focusing on the idea of anticipation and waiting. And I have my introduction but in an awkward way, I just feel led. I need to pray first, okay? And I want to just do a couple, two things. I want to I give a shout-out to Outback Jack, all right? <laughs> uh, Jack has been uh, an exchange student from Australia. He's been staying with the Meads, and he leaves to go back home today. And so, man, we just uh, it's been great to have you here with us, Jack. And I also just want to take time to pray for Monica, um, a young lady in our church who is having some very serious health issues right now up in Denver. She had to be life-flighted uh, this past week up to Denver, so... I think it's appropriate for us to just stop and pray, and then I'll get on with the message, okay? Father God, thank you for this day. Uh, Man, thank you for bringing Jack here to spend some time with us. Um, I'm thankful for the work that you're doing in his life, and I pray that as he goes back home to Australia, Lord, that that fire that you have stirred in his heart would not quench. Lord, that he would um, uh, find a good church when he goes back home, and he would stay connected with uh, your people. And uh, thank you for the Meads and their willingness to, to just uh, be hospitable to him and to encourage him and support him. And I just pray for his journeys home today that you would keep him safe and that uh, we would see him again. And, Lord, I also just pray for Monica. Um, I just pray that you would heal her body, Lord, uh, just facing some serious health issues. Um, and I just pray that you would give her body the strength to fight off um, uh, the uh, syndrome that she's battling right now. And, Lord, I just pray for healing in her life, Lord. And I pray that you would bring her home quickly, bring her home safely, and that she would be able to recover from, uh, from the, the sickness and the battle that she's facing right now, Lord God. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in the little devotional book that you've been reading, it's called Waiting Here for You, there was a quote that says, Who you become while you're waiting is as important as what you are waiting for. That was by Nikki Gumbel. And so, you know, we've already talked about how none of us like to wait. I mean, waiting can be one of the most difficult things in life. However, many times God uses the tool of waiting to refine us or to shape our character. So you may ask, like, how in the world does, does waiting help? Because it's so annoying, right? How in the world does, does waiting refine or how does it shape my character? I believe sometimes we get, we get so focused on what we're waiting for, a job, a spouse, you know, healing from cancer, more money, whatever it may be, we get so focused on what we're waiting for, we forget about the one who is able to provide all things. We completely forget about God. So the question that I want to investigate just a little bit more deeply this morning with you is, who are you? Like, really, we all have kind of who we are in front of other people, but I want to ask Who are you while you're waiting? Remember how easy it was for us to turn from uh, Malachi chapter 4, the last book of the Old Testament, to Matthew chapter 1? 
But remember, between Malachi chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 1, between the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament was 400 years. 400 years without a single word from God. No voice, no instruction, no direction, no mighty acts, no prophets, nothing. Nothing from God. Can you imagine the struggle to keep your faith from generation to generation for 400 years? You think your time of waiting has been bad? Imagine 400 years of waiting. Can you imagine the battle it must have been to keep faith in the promises God had given long before? And I ask you again, who are you while you're waiting? Sadly, for many of us, in the seasons of waiting, we, we, we begin to doubt. We lose faith. We begin to distrust the Lord. And many times, the blame shifts to God. God is blamed for all kinds of things that He's not guilty for. We begin to say, God, you failed me. God, you owe me. God, if you would just give me more money, I would give more to you. If you would give me an easier life, I would serve you more. If, if you would... Only come through, God. We may get to the place where we completely turn our back on God. Or worse yet, in those times of doubt and distrust, many of us begin to fake it. We claim to be a Christian doing all the religious things when the spotlight is on us, but we live completely a different life, completely another way behind closed doors. We live as Hypocrites. You know, hypocrites, those are the people trying to figure out what the minimum standard is and they don't even aspire to that. They're more concerned about what they can get away with than what they can give away. Is that you? Just faking it? Do you listen to the sermon, but you're not really listening? You sing the songs, but you're not really singing. You give, but it's, it's not really generous. You serve, but it's not really wholeheartedly. It's lukewarm, religious indifference going through the motions. You know, what should be a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, speaking, personal God, for you, it's become routine. This is something we're going to look at a lot more in an upcoming message series called Lip Sync during the month of January. We're going to look about, hey, let's not fake it. I've said many times, I have much better things to do with my time than to come and play church, to come and play religion. I would not, that's just disgusting to me. I don't want to play games with God. I don't want to play games with you. Let's be real, let's be genuine, and let's go make a difference, right? What's supposed to be a vibrant faith has turned into being religious. Man, oh, the great sin of being religious. Those, those who are simply religious, they're just going through the motions. They don't give generously. They're greedy. They don't serve wholeheartedly. They're lazy. They're not thinking about others. They only think about themselves. But they're religious. Oh man, they'll, they'll go to church. They'll be there every time the doors, the doors are open. But they're not really there. They'll tithe, kind of. 
They'll serve, kind of. They'll sing, kind of. Some time ago, I, I read a story about a small community that had a gigantic oak tree in the middle of its town square. And the tree was the pride of the townspeople. It had been there for, uh, you know, long before most of them were even born and, and would undoubtedly outlive them. One day, a, a storm came and the winds cracked the tree in half, revealing a trunk that was filled with disease. It was a symbol of strength on the outside, but the oak had been weak and vulnerable on the inside. For years, it had fooled its unknowing admirers. So I ask you again, church, who are you? After 400 years of waiting between the pages of Malachi chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 1, God ended the waiting. Matthew simply writes in verse 18 of chapter 1, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, Messiah means the promised deliverer, was born. God ended the waiting by coming to earth in the form of Jesus. God came to live amongst His creation. He didn't forget about us between the pages of Malachi and Matthew. He didn't leave us. He didn't forsake us. He didn't fail us. Friends, let me just say, God has not failed you in your time of waiting. God hasn't failed you. He came to rescue you. He came to save you. And He will keep His promise to complete the work He began in your life. He keeps His promises. He's faithful. You can trust Him. Yeah, Justin, that's all nice and well, but I would trust Him if He'd fix my life. If He would change my circumstances, then I would trust Him. I would follow Him. I mean, have you heard that before? Maybe, maybe you're the one currently saying or even thinking that. Let me, let me ask you, what is the, the thing, what is that thing, okay? What is that thing that God hasn't given you that you feel entitled to? Like you, you think in your mind, if God would just give me, like you fill in the blank. If God would just give me a spouse. If God would just give me kids. Or how about another spouse? Or better kids? Whatever, you know, fill in the blank. If God would just give me a car. A bigger car, a house, a bigger house, no cancer. Like, God, if you would just give me that, then I could praise you. Because honestly, God, you're not enough for me. And until you provide that thing, I'm dissatisfied. I'm unfulfilled. I'm not happy. I'm not joyful. Church, do you see the issue? Do you see it? Many of us will be fully devoted to the Lord as long as the circumstances are in our favor. The issue is we worship stuff. We trust pleasure as our Savior. 
And when we feel like we're not in control, we bail on our faith. Come on, church, let's not be so naive. Okay? Following Jesus doesn't mean there won't be any pain, but He promises it won't be in vain. There will be seasons of waiting. We'll have troubles and pain. There will be times of confusion, not knowing the direction. But be assured, we've always been the center of His affection. There will be times it seems like God isn't listening or God doesn't even speak. But He's always been there giving strength to the weak. Who are you while you're waiting? Who are you? Let me just let me read some scriptures that I read a couple Sundays ago. Gosh, they are just so powerful and impacting. And I believe they, man, they've been ministering to me and I believe they're going to minister to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. And uh, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. Okay, as Christians, Jesus is alive and well within us. And we have the truth. Like we have the gospel. It's an incredible, incredible thing. But he goes on to say, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Church, in Christ, you are powerful. In Christ. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live in constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Working from a position of trust. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to Himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at our troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Who are you? Who are you? Especially while you're waiting. Gosh, you don't know, Justin. I've been praying for my husband 
come to Christ for so long. You don't know. I know. I know. I don't know, but I know God is faithful. Keep trusting Him. You don't know, man. My child is just in a, in a state of rebellion right now. Just, gosh, I'm afraid he's going to die at a young age because of the path that he's walking. I know. I don't know. But God knows. He's faithful. You can trust Him. You don't know, Justin. Like, my marriage is miserable. It's like, I don't even know why I'm in this marriage. I don't know. But God knows. He's faithful. And you can trust Him. God broke the 400-year silence by coming to earth. So God, He came into the middle of our mess. Okay, All of our troubles, all of our pain, pain that we brought on to ourselves because of sin, because we raised our fist and cursed God. Church, the relevance of Christmas can be summed up in one phrase. God came to earth. No other religion holds this notion. It's unique to the Christian faith. God coming to earth as a human being. But you know, that's not even really the good news. The good news is why He came. And Louis Giglio, he sums it up quite nicely on the pages of 82 and 83 of our Advent devotional that we've been going through this month called Waiting Here for You. He says this, Christmas led to the cross. And on both days, Jesus accomplished what no one else could. There is no one like Him. No other name even comes close. No fame on this earth should be mentioned in the same sentence with His. He is supreme. He's stellar. He's significant. Sturdy. He stands the test of time and then some. Jesus has the name that makes demons tremble. The name that vanquishes death. The name that breaks iron bars. The name that sets prisoners free. Jesus is the highest, most honorable. Jesus alone is holy. He trumps everything and everyone. And anyone who thinks differently is a fool for doing so. The name of Jesus awakens the dead and gives them life. His name awakens the dawn and ushers in nightfall. And this name like no other name, He has given to all who believe in Him. All who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Waiting here for you by Louis Giglio, pages 82 and 83. Who are you? Who are you? To be honest, Justin, man, I have no clue... <laughs> I have no clue why I exist. I have no clue why I'm here. I get up, I go to work, I go home, I buy Christmas presents. I, what in the world is this all about? I have no clue. Man, Jesus has great purpose for your life. Great purpose. Who are you? You know, when you lose patience in the waiting and you begin to feel like God has failed you, you know, you want to start doing things your own way or be, you become great, ungrateful, rather, for the life that you do have. 
Let me just encourage you with a few ideas, okay? When you, when you get to that place where you're like, my life should be better, I just encourage you to stop in that moment and honestly consider the life that you should have. Okay? Because here, honestly, church, should be my story. Divorced alcoholic who's in love with money, sexually out of control, with estranged children, dies all alone with a busted liver. That should be my story. Anytime I think, boy, man, my life should be better. I've got to reorient myself and I've got to look back and I have to ask a few questions. Where has God brought me? Like, what has God done for me? What life should I have? And here's my question for you. Apart from Jesus, who would you be? Where would you be? What would you be? What kind of a legacy would you be leaving apart from Jesus Christ? And I have to ask you, would it be better? The answer is no. I mean, think, stop and think about what you do have. Take a breath and realize that you are alive for a purpose and reflect on the difference God's love has made in your life. Who are you while you're waiting? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes this morning and try not to fall asleep, okay? Close your eyes this morning. And the question you may be asking is, how has God loved us? God, how have you loved me? So just kind of reflecting, thinking about that. I believe God the Father would say, Before time began, I chose to love you. I love you. I sent my only son to live with you and to die on earth so that you might live with me in heaven. I love you. I speak to you through the scriptures. I love you. Everything you have is a gift from me. I love you. I want you to invest your life I don't want you to waste your life. I love you. I want you to know that I hear every prayer you utter, every song you sing, and I catch every tear you cry. I love you. I have a great plan for you in your future to leave a great legacy because I love you. Grace Church, if you would repeat after me, like, Father, you love us. Father, you love me. Father, you love us. Father, you love me. Amen. You can open your eyes. Church, when you get to a position where you really believe that, it changes everything. If you begin with faith, in the love of the Father, the Scripture says it's the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. If you start there, it changes everything. If you begin with faith in the love of the Father, it changes your mind, your heart, your life, your direction, your destiny. It alters your legacy. And that's what God wants for you because He loves you. 
Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So after 400 years of waiting between Malachi and Matthew came the greatest news that could ever be reported on planet earth. God was coming in the flesh. He hadn't forgotten about us. He hadn't forsaken us. He did care. He does care. And He will save you from your sins. This is an opportunity, church, for you to respond. And I pray that you and I both would respond as we should. And I've been praying that we would give generously, that we would sing passionately, that we would serve diligently, and that we would follow the example of our loving Father by loving others. The two greatest commands, love God and love people. And I just pray that we would love others in word and in deed. I just want you to know this morning that the Father loves you and the right answer to His love is to love Him in return. To trust Him and to leave a legacy for His glory and for others' good. I'm going to invite the band up this morning and uh, they're going to come on up and they're going to sing a song called King of Heaven. And man, it's a really extremely powerful song. And uh, I, I want to... I want to read the lyrics to the song before they come. I mean, it's a, it's a song that touches on the beauty, the importance, the magnitude, and the, and the sheer greatness of this moment in history when, when God came in the form of a little baby. So listen to these lyrics, and then we're going to sing them together. Uh, it goes like this. It says, You tore the night apart and ripped the silent skies in half. Your glory breaking through the dark. And here our worlds collide, divinity and man confined, this great design drawn out for me. You hold the ends of time, yet placed yourself here into mine. My life is now forever changed. Our eyes be lifted up, our great eternal hope arise, this great design drawn out for me. In our silence, heaven whispered, and in our darkest glory, pierce the night. We were broken, but we're now lifted up. King of heaven, God is here with us. Hallelujah, angels crying aloud, singing holy, all praise resound. King of heaven on the earth be found. King of heaven on the earth be found. And I invite you to worship God this morning as we sing. And let me just say, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ... Gosh, the best thing I could encourage you to do is to become one today. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Man, follow Jesus. Talk to the friend that brought you. Talk to a pastor here at Grace and make the decision to follow Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord as we sing King of Heaven, okay? Okay.